Welcome to the No Film School podcast. We are here live, pre-recorded, at the Sundance Film Festival 2023. I'm Gigi Hawkins, and... I am Alyssa Miller. And I'm Ryan Koo, founder of No Film School. Back at Sundance, back in person at Park City after two years away. Two years. Two did, years of virtual Sundance. Do you feel? Do you feel like in those two years you were empty inside? <laughs> you know, it's 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 really nice to be back in person because there's no way virtually to replicate all of the festival experience. Obviously, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know about you guys, but anyone who attended a virtual festival, it's so hard to watch a movie in the middle of your work day and feel like you're actually at a festival. And I think they did a great job with the platform of allowing people to watch movies and hopefully expanding, you know, independent film beyond just the the privileged few who can attend in Park City. But it's really nice to be back. And uh, yeah, Sundance is... I always think of the the meme from 300, the movie, where the guy kicks the guy into the pit and he's like, this is madness, this is Sparta. And it feels like it's like, this is madness, this is Sundance. It's just everything all at once and a lot to take in. So I think we're going we're gonna to do this podcast and talk about general trends and our impressions and then jump into movies we've seen and movies we've liked uh, or, or filmmakers we've met and, and talked to. But my first question is for Alyssa... Who is this? Is your first Sundance, right? So, it so is. how is it going? What you know? How is it different from your expectations? Like, what has it been like? We, and as we record this, we should say it's been. We're recording this after only two days, basically, of the festival. So, if there's some big acquisition that we are not covering, it's because as we record this, it hasn't happened yet. But we will be back with another pod. But in the meantime, first timer, Alyssa, how's it going? It's pretty good. So I'm pretty new to the festival circuit completely. I've only been to maybe two other film festivals. So I went from like very tiny ones to Sundance. (laughs) So I didn't really know what to expect. I knew there was going to be some madness in there. But for me, my plan was just to kind of go with the wind, kind of take go where the breeze takes me. And it's been pretty fun. It's been pretty good. I think the only like part that I've found is a little difficult for me is having to pick and choose what to go to. Mm-hmm. There's so many things happening normally on that first weekend too. So you're like constantly going, where do I go next? Because you have all these options. So that's a little bit of a a little a bit of a moment where I'm trying to get used to it. Adjustment period, you know? But it's been very fun. Yeah, I think everything I heard about the madness is true. Uh, you don't get that much sleep. You need to drink a lot of water. My back started hurting yesterday. Oh no! <laughs> During a movie, and I was like, "What is this pain?" It's standing on hard ice ground and <laughs> waiting in line for many hours is what you're experiencing, and potentially falling on your face. Like I took a nice, very dramatic, almost taking a header spill walking down Main Street, but where you know you flail your arms yeah. and you almost go down, but everyone was watching. Thankfully, I stayed on my feet. Oh, that's good. But. You, you can definitely throw it back out easily. Yeah, I saw yeah. someone slip on black ice last <gasps> night and I was like, because oh, they like fell hard and then they did like that get up walk of shame. Oh no. Oh, and I was like, oh no. I saw also someone lost a boot in the middle of an intersection. There was oh. just a boot hanging out. Oh my god! And nobody moved it. People took photos of it and then they just kept walking. <laughs> this is the hard hitting headlines we're bringing you. Yeah. Someone <laughs> lost a boot 
at Sundance. Well, that means somebody's walking around with a barefoot and 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 I'm very worried for them. I'm very very worried about their Sundance experience. Yeah. Um now you have this go with the flow, go with the wind approach. How where has that led you that is surprising so far? Well, I haven't had to wait in many lines, which is great. Um I think the only line I had to wait in was last night with Ryan. <laughs> and that was so cold. Yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about it on this podcast, but I'm I'm very mad. I'm mad at the RSVP situation. You know, like not getting into a party that your friends are getting into is part of the filmmaker experience. Totally. And part of the filmmaker experience at Sundance is knowing where you sit in the pecking order. If if you do get into a party and you're talking to a, a producer or agent or someone that you'd like to network with, they will very often look over your shoulder and see someone more important. And that can definitely be the downside of Sundance is is you go, oh, okay, I've come this far and yet. But I think to Alyssa's point about going with the flow, like we're we're here somewhat as press, but also filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really helpful if you're going to come to Sundance, if you're considering coming to Sundance as a filmmaker, to think about yourself like a character in a script and just think like, what's my motivation what is my objective here yeah and so for me i think this is my seventh sundance not including virtual ones and i used to come and try to see 20 to 25 movies in the seven days but with me with what i'm trying to do with my career as a writer director as a sundance labs alumnus alumni alum i couldn't tell you alumni oh alumni that's singular yeah well, I guess I can't really call myself a writer if I don't know the proper grammar for. Uh, it's one yeah. of those weird Latin words, so like it doesn't really matter okay. anymore. But I, but I, I was clear this year coming in. Oh, you know, I, I really want to network. Like that's my objective as my character here at Sundance, and so therefore, in that face-off that you're talking about, where you have two things going on at once, or at Sundance sometimes four things going on yeah. at once, I've been choosing. Oh, that's a networking event. I might want to meet with so and so, and so I've chosen that, and therefore seen. Fewer films, see that grammar there. Fewer, not less. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, the FaceTime is the FaceTime is critical. And actually, later in the podcast, we're going to talk to Kesla Childers, head of development for Powder Keg of Fagco. And she is a producer and a development exec. And she talks about exactly that moment and what you're supposed to do as a creator meeting somebody at these parties. And really, it is planting the seed for a relationship. So she's going to dig into that. I was going to add, like from a press standpoint, um, my whole objective here is to to watch the movies of the people that I will be talking to. And then also at these events, uh, talk to filmmakers and then see what projects they have at the fest and try to push that into my schedule because mm-hmm. I want to I am that's my whole goal here is to celebrate filmmaking and talk to those people who are you know they have a short in the shorts program or they have their first uh, narrative feature that's debuting like I really want to celebrate those like big wins for them and I think that is a big win for Sundance compared to some other film festivals because Park City is a small town yeah Sundance is too big for Park City it's why they expand to Salt Lake City it's why you get stuck on a shuttle in for traffic an for an hour and a half, missing a screening, even though you left an hour and a half early. But the lovely thing about Sundance is it's one of the few places in the world where anywhere you are in town, independent film feels like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. If you go to Tribeca or South by, there's a lot of other stuff going on, either because it's New York City or because there's a music and an interactive festival. Mm-hmm. And so at Sundance, really, 
if you're on the shuttle, if you're on the street, like everyone's talking about movies, what have you seen? What's good? And that is lovely to be back in after, you know, two years of watching streaming movies and virtual screenings. I feel that energy, that sort of like excitement across the board. It feels like everybody is excited to be here celebrating movies and and to speak to the the general filmmaker experience, even if you have a film in the festival, it doesn't mean you're getting into the party. And a DP friend of mine who I connected with at Sundance three years ago and then have continued to work with since, he was like, the the reality of Sundance is ditch or be ditched. And you and it's gonna happen to you and you just have to accept it and go with the flow. Go go with the wind, which is I think takes a lot of pressure off of it because you absolutely cannot do it all. Though we are all going to the Stanley house, which we are very excited about because they gave us free water bottles. Oh my gosh, the cabin is the place to be. Yes. It looks so cool at night. To give the background, so Sundance, one of the most important things you get in your swag bag if you attend is the water bottle. A, because it's very dry and you need to hydrate while you're here. To survive. To survive, but also it makes for a great souvenir. And in the future, when you have it, you know, it's kind of a flex and it's like a conversation piece. If you're drinking out of a Sundance water bottle, people go, oh, are you a filmmaker or that, that kind of thing. So yeah. we can, we're going to talk about budget cuts at Sundance in a, in a second. But the thing they have not cut the budget for is the water bottle, which <laughs> used to be a, a, an acrylic uh, Acura sponsored water bottle that then got cut down to half size for a few years, which was like a sip of water. Uh, yeah, it was like a it was a it was a risk to your life because if you only left the house with that much water, you might not survive the day. They have now returned to full size and it is a, a lovely stainless steel what would you call this? Hydrating mechanism. Like a like a yeah. It's a Stanley um like coffee cup. Yeah, but one of those like nice tall, tall like a tumbler. Ones. Yeah. It's a tumbler. It's a column that you put drinks in. <laughs> and it's wonderful. Sponsored by Stanley, the No yes, School Podcast. Yes. And apparently, if you go to certain showings, they're just giving out bigger versions of Stanley cups. And I'm like, the budget, where is it at? Is this yeah. <laughs> well, the, Stanley's doing great. <laughs> so you'll see, if you're walking around Park City, you'll see these things called brand activations, which somebody asked me yesterday, they're like, what is a brand activation? And it's sort of like a living, breathing advertisement experience. And and pe- brands are doing it. So there's like an Acura place, but they're going, you, you can go there for panels. You can go there to charge your phone. And then you're also seeing entities like Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime and Apple films. So so studios that want to have a presence and want to create a space for talking about filmmaking or just intermingling like we were talking about, that is sort of the intention of of taking over these spaces and and some of them are like pretty creative and scrappy with like, you know, w- there's something that we went to that was like behind a sound baths shop and that's part of the adventure. We've always wanted to have a, a brand activation of, for no film school at Sundance, but unless Stanley sponsors us, you know, we just haven't had. Yeah, we just haven't had the budget. I think we could do it. I saw someone was sponsored by like Dropbox, and I was like, we could get that sponsorship for somehow. sure. Well, <laughs> well, no, we, we are sponsored, and we'd like to shout out. I'm sure you'll hear the oh, ad definitely. associated with this podcast. We are <laughs> sponsored by Adobe, who has a presence as well all over the screenings, and obviously makes you know tools that we all know and love and use constantly especially as indie filmmakers exactly yeah. i wonder actually you know we're, we're publishing our post about cameras used by mm-hmm. filmmakers but I, I would be curious for a breakdown of uh, editing platforms Ooh. we should look into that well we do have a podcast roundtable that we're recording later today with a bunch of with two editors and two post sound uh supervisors so we can get into that as well on the podcast 
Tell your story with Premiere Pro, the world's most popular video editing software. Its industry standard precision editing and trimming tools let you quickly craft the perfect story. For more info, visit adobe.com. Let's talk about budget cuts. Like, what has changed? Specifically, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't know. What are you thinking? Uh, New Frontiers. So this has been a section about pioneering different forms of storytelling over the years. And as we were flying in, we saw an article published saying that this section is moving completely virtually. And then we got on the shuttle and we saw that that it was on the list of destinations, but then somebody took a Sharpie and cut it out. And we were like, oh man, this is really sad for for all those creators who were expected to be on the ground making things. And that's kind of the first, like, we're really feeling it. We're really seeing it. Of course, you have to be smart and innovate within a, running a, an, a festival like this. It's a bummer to see that. I think budgets is a big topic because, uh, well, first of all, the budget cutbacks for the festival, Sundance's biggest asset is their brand. And obviously from all the brand activations here, that's healthy and thriving and all these companies want to be associated with the preeminent independent film brand in the country. But they've definitely been watching the bottom line. There are parties that used to exist that don't mm-hmm. exist, like the day one party, the alumni celebration, they canceled New Frontier. So I'm, I'm wondering how much of this is, it's our first year back after doing it virtually yeah. and we don't know what attendance and revenue is going to be. So they're, so they're being a little bit cautious or how much of it is a bellwether for uh, independent film and and the challenges it faces with uh, theatrical, you know, still still hurting from the pandemic, and no one really knows outside of Avatar two and Top Gun, you know, how the the box office is going to perform. So, as we record this, we haven't seen yet a big splashy acquisition where the number is publicly reported mm-hmm. as to what a streamer or distrib- distributor paid for a movie. Right. And I think as filmmakers, you always want to pay attention to this because for better or for worse, the financiers and the industry is kind of going to set what budget should be based on, in large part, what happens at Sundance with acquisitions. Because if you're going to finance a project independently and movies are selling for 10 or $20 million, mm-hmm. then you can get a decent budget. But if no one's buying and Sundance is the really the place where all the distributors and streamers come with their checkbook ready for the year. Mm-hmm. If people aren't buying in January, then it's hard to get your project financed uh, coming up. So we're going to keep paying attention to how the acquisitions go. A lot of movies here do not have distribution. Yeah. So I think there have been some festivals where we've come to and it was like every other movie was made by Netflix or A24. So there's not as much of an acquisition yeah. market, but, but coming in here, uh, I think they said 80% of the movies here do not have distribution. So we'll be back with an update on that because it, it really does matter for filmmakers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the health of the independent film industry can be set by the acquisition taste and, and thirst here at Sundance. But um, we should talk about the movies. Yeah, we We're talking about whether they're getting acquired or not, but uh, what have you guys seen that, that you love? Let's talk about movies. Well, I have two films that I would love to like talk about. Um, the first one, which has already been acquired by Amazon Studios, is In My Mother's Skin. It's a, a Filipino folklore horror story. Uh, it was part of the Midnight's uh, sele- uh, selection, and it was kind of wonderful. There were mm-hmm. some, some really good jumps. There were some really 
beautiful shots that are like, you look at it and you go, oh, that's a good horror shot right there. Mm-hmm. And also hearing the filmmaker talk prior to the showing, he was so excited to be there. And I think that's the energy I love of Sundance. It's like, everyone's just so happy to be here and to have this community celebrating their film and like mm-hmm. backing them and supporting them. And I could feel that last night. And it was so, so beautiful. I loved it so much. And then my second film I'd love to shout out is Cassandro. Great movie. I'm blanking on the filmmaker's name, but he's normally a documentary filmmaker. And he's had- It's Roger Ross Williams. Roger Ross Williams. Yes, Roger Ross Williams. So Academy Award winning Roger Ross Williams for documentary filmmaking. He's returned to Sundance with his first narrative feature film based on Cassandro, um, a queer luchador from Mexico. And he was there too last night and it was wonderful. And ah. Uh, it's just a it's just a celebration of diversity, the queer community. Just I was so happy to see it. And everyone there was cheering every time he came on stage. Oh. And every time the outfits became more elaborate. And the final match with uh Sano Santo, and it was it was I don't know, it was that community experience where you're just sitting in a theater and you can feel that a moment is so special and it resonates with everybody. And I was like, that's good filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also important to point out one of the things that makes Sundance different from some festivals is they have the Sundance labs and the Sundance Institute, which helps shepherd filmmakers careers. And Roger Ross Williams is a great example of that. You know, he's been around for years. He did documentaries. He's been supported by Sundance. I look up to him a lot. I've been supported by Sundance. And so when you're here and you see someone's career that Sundance themselves helped nurture Mm -hmm. and support come out with, a crowd-pleasing, you know, raucous movie like that. It's so thrilling to see because a lot of festivals come in at the end, you know, and they exhibit your movie that you worked really hard to make. Right. And then don't pay a screening fee and you don't know if your movie's going to get acquired and, and going to make its budget back. And uh, so to have a partner who also helps at the inception of projects and mm-hmm. helps push your career forward. I mean, I would not, I don't know what, I wouldn't have a filmmaking career without the Sundance Labs and the Sundance Institute and those staff. So, I, I have not seen Cassandra yet, but it's on my list and I look forward to it. Gigi, what about you? I want to shout out three three projects. One film, one episodic, and one short. The film that I loved was what I saw on opening day one, the midnight feature, Birth Rebirth, uh, which is a reimagining of Frankenstein. And it was so well done and haunting and it kept me engaged and on the edge of my seat after getting up at four in the morning and traveling across the country because we had to fly to Sacramento before flying to Salt Lake City. As someone who was at that screening and also had the same travel itinerary, I second that. You know, no, we, no one fell asleep in right. this. Right. And the movie was incredible. Which yeah. is great filmmaking. Like I, I think I've, I've watched a number of screeners leading up to it. And I think something that keeps you engaged and leaned in every moment, even when you're exhausted, like that needs to be celebrated. And we're going to have the writer and director on the podcast as well talking about that experience. And what's interesting about that film in particular is that it was the first Sundance Lab supported project that made it into the midnight section. So I think it's a, I, and, and 
I'll caveat that that the programmer says, I believe this is the first. So um, somebody can fact check us. But it, it, it shows that horror is being taken more seriously, in my opinion, both from a development perspective. But, you know, I'm still standing by horror should be considered for more awards, especially as it's such an important place for indie filmmakers and emerging filmmakers to, like, get experience. So it was so wonderful to see that film just shine and and in all the performances shine and uh and really just like let's get weird at midnight um which will bring me to my uh favorite short i went to the midnight short screening and there is a short called called claudio's song and it is the funniest thing i've seen in a long time and now i have claudio's song stuck in my head and everyone in that theater uh, we'll be singing it and soon this will be shared with the world and I can't wait for everyone to see the 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 joy and horror of Claudia's song. What what was this short about? Um a <laughs> there are two sort of mafia guys that have an influencer in the trunk of their car and they think he's a model. They've hacked his account and he didn't pay the ransom for the socials. And as they're preparing to bury him, he's like, nobody will remember me. And and then there's something about the history of storytelling and how it used to be tied to songs. So he starts to sing his own song. And then it goes down a path that is very exciting. I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> I'm gonna. Sh- I have a screener. I'm gonna show it to you guys. Um, it's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. I love the idea of leaving your legacy through storytelling and then just having it be turned and then like, go down a crazy path. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the last thing I want to shout out is uh, a show called Hansi. It's an Israeli American show. It has distribution in. Israel with uh, Netflix, but they're looking for distribution here. And it is a show about a New York woman who is engaged and goes to Israel to sort of break off her engagement and find an Israeli soldier to marry. And it is so dark and funny and weird. And I am obsessed with it. And and it's, it is similar to Birth Rebirth when I was watching the screener beforehand. I woke up early to finish and watch it over drinking coffee, which is like, you know, I I was like, I need to make time in my schedule to finish this series or the episodes that they shared. So that show is, so, it's, it feels like it's playing in the world of Fleabag, but it doesn't have any like gimmicky element to it. Like there's no talking to the camera. It's just pure like narrative storytelling with excellent performances. Henry Winkler's in it and it is just fantastic. So yeah. And how about you, Ryan? Well, I was also at the birth rebirth screening and, you know, Sundance can be a mixed bag in terms of the movies that are here because there's over a hundred and you're going to love some and you're going to not like some. And if you come to the festival and your first screening you don't like, sometimes it could be anticlimactic to come all the way here. And, and so thankfully, birth rebirth being the first movie I saw was just very inspiring, especially as a as a lab supported project, and as you mentioned, like a, a horror movie that they supported. But one of the things that's also nice about Sundance is the unexpected movies that you end up seeing because you're here in person and your schedule looks like a game of Tetris with all the colored blocks trying to fit things. You're going to end up with an unexpected gap where you can just go see something, and you don't have much choice. And uh, so I went to a screening of a documentary 
called Fantastic Machine. And some of my favorite Sunday's experiences are the ones where you don't know anything about it. And you can just be totally taken by surprise because it's a festival. You haven't seen trailers. And in this case, I didn't know anything just that, oh, it's playing at 2.30 at this theater. I can go there. Yeah. And this documentary was, was super interesting, especially from a no film school perspective, because it's about cameras and image making and the psychological effect they have on us and the development of humanity. It's a Swedish documentary. And the title comes from, and the king said, what a fantastic machine, which was a quote about a camera, the invention of the camera. And so it starts off, and I actually thought that this was going to be a feature-length documentary, like one of those YouTube compilations of like the year of the internet, where it's just like funny home videos, essentially. And I thought, okay, this is interesting to see this programmed at Sundance on the screen. It's a different way to experience it, and there's lots of laughter in the audience. But then it goes more into the psychological and the his- historical aspects of you know people seeing images for the first time and how it affects our perception of things and the sort of artifice of image making. So it was super interesting. I'm curious uh, if it will be acquired and it's Swedish. It's in Swedish and subtitled, mm-hmm. but because it's voiceover, you know, I, f- I feel like if I were a distributor and I were acquiring, if no film school was acquiring this movie, yeah. which we've never done, but who knows, you know, you could just easily do a, a English voiceover right, with the right. same, the same content. And, and the video, yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. There and, you go. Or Tom Hanks. Yeah. And the, and the videos are from all over the world. You know, the videos aren't just Swedish. They source them from every language and every culture. So it, it was super interesting. And one of those gems that you find that a, you wouldn't, ever find if you weren't at Sundance at all. But B, like if I was at home browsing, I probably wouldn't have clicked on that Mm -hmm. given the glut of content on whatever streaming service I'm I'm looking on. So it's one of the reasons to come to Sundance too, is that you do uh, really discover gems and and things that you didn't even know about beforehand, but you know, maybe even the hour before you saw it. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd like to shout out is not necessarily the movie overall. I'm curious to see the acquisition trajectory it takes, but I saw, <clears throat> but I saw Magazine Dreams, starring Jonathan Majors, and he plays a bodybuilder, and his performance will be talked about, you know, for for the rest of the year, and for I'm sure he'll be winning awards for it. It's an incredible transformation. It's an incredibly committed performance, not just from a physicality standpoint, playing a bodybuilder but also just from the dialogue and, and the way he inhabits his character. And it's also an, an exceedingly well-crafted film from a production design, from a cinematography standpoint. So that's the other uh, film I would shout out. So can we just wrap it up with what we're looking forward to for the rest of the festival? Because we have four days left, five days left while we're here. Do you have any goals that you're going in with or things that you want to see? I think what I was saying earlier about knowing what your objective is when you come to the festival, if your objective is just to see the movies, if you're not a networker or if you're not looking to meet people to collaborate with, uh, then you can come for the second half of the festival. And all the movies have already premiered. There's already all the buzz about what people have really liked and what's winning awards. And it's so much easier to just go to screenings and not be waiting in long lines and not have things be sold out. So as we get past this opening weekend, into the rest of the week. That's when I'm looking forward to taking off my networking hat and yeah. really just going and seeing six movies in a day. You know, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. So I, I have missed some of the screenings I wanted to see. And then, uh, but 
thankfully. But there's hope. But I will I will catch up on them in the days to come. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Alyssa? From a non-networking perspective, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the premieres, um, which I'm catching this weekend, mm-hmm. like uh, Kokomo City. I'm looking forward to that one today. And I'm just looking forward to meeting the filmmakers and chatting with them about their process and the excitement they have for being here at Sundance and, you know, the, the struggles and challenges that they faced uh, getting this movie made and getting it ready for Sundance. But yeah, I'm really just... I'm really excited just to exist in this space and, you know, celebrate filmmaking and independent filmmaking, I should say. So, yeah, it'll be great. What about you, Gigi? I am looking forward to speaking with the filmmakers who I've been watching their films over the last week and here at the festival. I am hoping that my voice stays intact because we'll be doing back-to-back-to-back interviews. And really, I'm looking forward to speaking with the first-time filmmakers uh, because I think there's something really special about hearing now that they've crossed this finish line and they can finally breathe and relax. I can't wait to hear about how they got here uh, because I think our listeners will love that. So, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Sundance is a discovery festival, so let's let's discover. Yes. Tell your story with Premiere Pro, the world's most popular video editing software. Its industry standard precision editing and trimming tools let you quickly craft the perfect story. For more info, visit adobe.com. I'm here with Kesla Childers, head of development at Powder Keg, and we're here to talk about the state of Sundance, both in the context of your role and your experience coming to the festival. So thank you so much for being here. Oh man, thanks for having me. It's just a warm place to be and not in the snow, which I love. Truly, truly. (laughs) And we're right off the shuttle, which is totally clutch for the Sundance experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that I have to go back to Main Street and now I'll just hop on a bus versus like trudging in, in the cold. It's a journey. So, yeah. Are you from Are you from the snow or are you? No, from- I'm from Southern California. <laughs> okay. So this is all very um, foreign to me. It's like another planet if you don't navigate yeah. snow like this. I never knew I liked my ears and my nose so much <laughs> until I felt what they felt like in the cold. Exactly. Well, yeah. I am so glad that you trudged out here by a shuttle and snow foot. Fall um, to talk to us about the festival. So first, I'd love to hear a little bit about what your role at Powder Keg is as head of development, um, and so and then we'll pivot into more Sundance cool. stuff. Yeah, so uh, Powder Keg was founded by Paul Feig and Laura Fisher, and we are a company that's specifically um, voice-driven, and we work with emerging filmmakers um, and underrepresented voices. And like, really, I think underrepresented is. It's it's so wide. It's anything that anyone who's felt otherized because they haven't seen themselves in media and gained to share those perspectives. So yeah, anyway, I'm their head of development, which means that I get to meet a lot of really cool filmmakers and a lot of cool writers and really just hear what they want to say and like what kind of stories they want to tell and then help shape those stories. I always call myself like, you know, when kids start bowling and there's like they have the little bumper lanes. I'm yes. like, I'm just the bumper lane to get you to like the strike at the end of, at the end of the lane. That's like that's amazing. what I'm trying to do. So yeah. And we do everything we do like low budget features. We do television shows. We do podcasts. We have, um, we just put out an interactive app. So yeah, it's like, if you can tell a story, we will find a way to like get it out there. I love that. Yeah. And what's you, you mentioned being the bumper lanes to help people make that strike and 
You have had multiple shorts at Sundance and Slamdance over the course of the years. Can you speak a little bit about the the work that you've done that has been ultimately showcased here? Yeah. So Powder Keg has a program called Powder Keg Fuse. It's for directors of minoritized genders. And we get to select, uh, it's an invite only program. And we basically, we see your work and we think you're rad, but we put you on a list. And then, uh, you know, once a year we send out a hundred invites with a prompt and we ask people to give us a one page submission in response. And then we pick five and we develop those. And, um, both of the shorts that we've had at Sundance and also the short we have at Slam Dance last year, all came from that program. Awesome. And yeah. you have a short at the festival this year, correct? We do. We have Help Me Understand by director, writer-director Amelia Scott. And can you give us like a one-liner on what that's about? Six women come to a consensus. I actually know the exact image. It's the cover of the shorts block, right? It is. It's the cover of the shorts block number one. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Tell me a little bit about how you approach coming to Sundance from the development perspective. How many years have you been coming and how are you experiencing the festival outside of showcasing work that you have supported directors in creating? Yeah. So I've actually only been here for three years. I kind of bifurcate the way my role is here, right? So on one side, I am here with my filmmaker, making sure they have the best experience and they get to watch their work be consumed by an audience and really, you know, I think audience feedback is so important, especially in comedy, because like finding where those laughs like land and did you give enough time in the cut or did something fall flat? So it was, you know, that's really important to be able to talk after the screening and be like, how did that sound? What was that experience like in that crowd, that 6.30 p.m. crowd versus like an 8.30 a.m. crowd and all that fun stuff. And then the other side is like, how can I network properly to make sure that we are continuing to tell stories with filmmakers, whether that's meeting filmmakers on the ground here at Sundance or talking to other people that can help get their voices out there in distribution? So I think one of the myths that I want to bust on this in this conversation is the idea that development people are I, th I think when you're outside of the industry and an emerging filmmaker, it's really easy to feel super intimidated by folks who are working in development. And I've seen, and we met like maybe two years ago mm -hmm. um, in the context of like, you had seen a short of mine and, and you made me feel so comfortable and also so championed. Like you are actively out there seeking voices. Say you run into a filmmaker here at Sundance, just at a party, how do you, you like to get to know them and how, how should people be presenting themselves to you? Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for your kind words. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you felt that way. Uh, I think that I, first of all, I think all development execs are a little bit different, you know, and I think that people have different styles and methodology. I'm always about getting to know the person, right? Because that helps me shape and understand their work better. So normally it's going to be a really informal conversation. And then either one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to be like something you say is going to spark me. And I'm going to ask you for either your email or I'm going to give you mine and say, I would love to set a Zoom general and talk more in depth. Or I, you might ask me for that. And I will probably say yes, because <laughs> I am a sucker and I say yes to everybody. So I think that like, I think the best thing to do is be honest, be authentic and put yourself out, out there, but be understanding that some people might have time constraints. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think as if I meet you at a party, I don't want you to pitch your project to me. Yeah. Like I want you to just like, you can, we can have a casual conversation and then we can follow up later. You know, obviously there are times at festivals where people can do that and there's like structured times to do that. Right. right. But like, if I'm just meeting you out and about be a human, please please don't, (laughs) please don't pitch me your project. (laughs) I, that is, that's great advice because I think that there is, I, I remember having a meeting with an agent actually, when I was a baby, baby filmmaker, I had just made my first short. And I was like, I, this is the one chance that I have to talk and I'm going to just make it or break it in this moment. And it's actually, we're building long-term relationships, getting to know each other as humans and, and maybe a chance meeting in a spark, like you mentioned, could lead to a project that makes sense seven years from now. And what you're doing is starting to build that relationship. So that's like, I think a good reminder. Oh, 1000%. I mean, I've seen people's work at festivals and walked up to them and said, like, I want to talk to you or what you said that Q and a was really great or, you know, but it is a relational business. Mm -hmm. And I do think that sometimes that's lost sight of. Um, I think that it's really important for people to understand that this is not a five second business. It's like not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a and slow so, burn. Yeah. It's a real slow. Like there is no such thing as an overnight success. That yeah. overnight success has been working somewhere toiling away. It might seem like an overnight success to someone else. It's not. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, but like, you're going to know the people, I mean, I know people, I've been working in this industry in one capacity or another for over, I mean, gosh, I think now 20 years. And like, I know people that I met when I was 22. I think I just gave away my age, um, <laughs> but no, but I mean, like I, I, and so it's like, just be a, like you said before, be a human, like yeah. be someone that people want to work with. You know, I get the great pleasure of working for two amazing bosses with Paul Feig and Laura Fisher. And like, you know, when you have people above you that are really nice and kind, mm-hmm. then it's really hard for you to be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? I, I, that, we actually had Paul on the podcast oh, a couple so of months ago. And I, everybody should go back and listen to that because he, it, that warmth and that excitement for the project and that that uh, he had some great tips about crafting for comedy. That was just, everyone should listen to that. It's required listening. It really is. He's like, I'm constantly jotting things down and learning from him. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel so lucky just to be in the proximity where I'm like, oh, like, you know how to make something funny um, and you're doing it because you're creating characters that people really, really, really care about. And like, that's the first thing is like when your heart cares, like it's easier to laugh, you know? So, so one thing you mentioned is we're no, we're not in the five second business, the five second deal business. And when we actually first launched no film school in one of the earliest podcast episodes, uh, we had a, one of the programmers on and we were like, I think this is the time that the hot tub deals are over and streaming is a thing. This was many years ago. And and a lot of those predictions came through. Another good episode to go back and listen to. How are things working or how are, are how, what whispers are you hearing about how the business is approaching deals? Obviously, a lot of films have already been purchased before the festival even started. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that? 
Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that we're in a time of pure flux and I think that things are, are changing. We're obviously coming out of COVID where deals had to be made differently, like because the festival looked different. And so I think that like, we're still in a, in a time where it's all shifting. Mm -hmm. And I think that you do see a couple of titles coming through that are, you know, I think going to, are some hot ticket items. Yeah. Um, one with a former powder keg uh, fuse director attached. Tembi, Which one? Tembi Banks is here with her feature directorial debut with Macro. Oh, Young cool. Wild Free. We're very excited for her. We were here with her at the festival two years ago with her short Baldwin Beauty. And so it's so great to see her come back. I remember back. that short. Yeah. So it's, it's great to see her come back. Um, obviously, we're not a part of that project, but like you know, it's, we're so excited to champion her voice and just see other people champion her voice. That's a a success story of like another strike down the bowling alley lane. She was well on her way. Yeah. She's a star. I, I love to hear that. So we're in this state of flux. What do you think this means for indie film, indie creators? I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I think someone much smarter is doing lots of deals. Some agent can tell you exactly what's happening or some film buyer. But I think holistically, what I would always say is like, stay true to your voice. Mm -hmm. I think that the idea of mandate chasing is like horrible because there it's always, you're always five minutes behind if you're mandate chasing. And, and that goes for both television and film. And I think that like, can you say what that means for our listeners? What a mandate is? Yeah. So a mandate is something like a buyer. So whether it's Netflix or Apple or even like, you know, traditional studios, like, you know, uh, Lionsgate, Lionsgate, Universal, you know, um, and then television networks as well. They all make mandates, right? And so they're all like saying, we're looking for this. Mm -hmm. And so I find that like where I find mandates to be helpful is like you can look at a mandate and know if you have something already in your like, you know, among your any development exec is probably going to have anywhere between 20 and 40 projects at any given time. And so it's like, do I have anything that fits what they're looking for currently, but sometimes people then try to go develop off of those mandates. Right. But like by the time you have finished developing something, that mandate might have changed. Um, and also sometimes, like you know, I think we all saw Mike White get up a little tipsy at the Globes uh-huh. recently and talk about how no one wanted White Lotus, you know. Yeah. And I think we've seen, you know, we saw the same thing happen with Ted Lasso. And I mean, I know those are television shows and not movies, but like. I do think that it's, you have to be looking forward. And I think as a filmmaker, the best way to look forward is tell the story that's truest to you. Yeah. I I love that because there is, if you just focus and double down on the the story that you want to tell and in your voice, I've seen uh, a couple of episodic and features here that true that do that and it shows and there will always be a specific a mandate that you can sort of like shift into if you have done that work because yeah. it's like oh a female driven protagonist or 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 horror you know but finding your your space within like the the industry and figuring out how where your story fits into that i think is something that that management and agencies, those, those are, they're built to think where this can fit, where yes. your project can fit. So if you're doing the work to get there, like they'll figure out how to sell it in. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. And then have you, what are your favorite things that you've seen so far? Okay. So I've been here for two days and I've only been able to go to our blocks. I'm so excited. I'm seeing polite society at the midnight screening Uh tonight and I'm beyond jazzed, like so, so beyond jazzed. And then next week I, I sadly have to, uh, get out of town tomorrow. I'm back in LA, but next week due to the online mm-hmm. um, part of the program, one second, let me pull up my email. I can tell you exactly what uh, I'll be watching, which is shortcomings, uh, bad behavior, mm-hmm. cat person, fancy dance. Sometimes I think about dying theater camp and young wild free are right. all in my cart, ready to watch next week. I next love week. that. So we're having uh, the theater camp cre- uh Directors and Molly Gordon, Molly Gordon and Nick Amazing. as well, and uh, and the Fancy Dance team on the podcast. So keep listening. And since this is coming out on Monday, our listeners can screen online, so you can watch with Kesla. And then, last question: Have you had any fortuitous Sundance run-ins with like somebody from your past, or you know, we've we've talked a lot about the mix of how you run into somebody that you knew eight years ago or it went to kindergarten with and then you see them on the street. Any Sundance magic like that? Well, I got to see Lisa Barlow from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which is was magical for me. <laughs> um, that is definitely uh, that was definitely a highlight. Uh, no, you know, this year specifically, mm-hmm. not totally, but I did like. We had a dinner for our crew that are here last night. Mm -hmm. And beforehand, we were meeting up with a colleague out of New York um, who we've never met face-to-face. And then we kind of, like, brought other people along. And then they all knew each other, like, serendipitously. And so it's like we've had more of the, you know, it's like the Forrest Gump moment where you're, like, running. He's running, and then there's all these people running with them. And, like, we just kept calling the restaurant being like, uh, can we add two more? Can we add two uh-huh. more? Uh, so, but no, no childhood run-ins though. It might, it might happen. Well, we'll see. And you'll have to report back if that happens in your final days at the festival. I absolutely will. Cool. Anything else that you want to touch on while we we've got you? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Just like, please continue telling stories. I mean, it's, it's the best part um, about Sundance is getting to see so much creativity in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's really inspiring just to know how many hours of just, uh, pure love and joy have gone on and probably some anger too. And all those other emotions yeah. have gone into the work that you're seeing on the screen. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Kesla. Oh, and, um, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 